0: I'm going to do the, uh, the reading, which is from uh, Ephesians chapter two. 19-24. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then onwards to chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love.
1: Well, how lovely to see everybody, and not in little boxes. <laughs> it's so lovely to be back. And uh, so welcome, everybody. It's really lovely to have you all back today. And uh, yeah, just fantastic to be back as the church gathered um, today. So you know, welcome back to Alton Baptist Church. So um, let me just pray as we start. Gracious God, we gather together. Today, welcomed by you, help us to be a welcoming community. Send your spirit to blow through our worship as a breeze blows through the open windows of a long closed house. Amen. So um, we're still going through our series on Ephesians. And um, we're asking different people to take uh, a different take on Ephesians, look at a different theme. And it felt very right this morning to think about, obviously, church and the theme of church and being a body united through Ephesians. So as some of you all know... Ooh, um, I've been doing a course. I've started my diploma in uh, theology part-time. And this was one of the books that I um, was given to read over the summer. A Nearly Infallible History of Christianity, Being a History of 2,000 Years of Saints, Sinners, Idiots, and Divinely Inspired Troublemakers by Nick Page. I can recommend it. It is a, it is a big book. <laughs> but it is taking 2,000 years of history um, of Christianity over the, the, you know, as I say um, last 2000 years it is quite funny there is a lot of funny bits in it but there's a lot of history in it as well but having read this over the summer I learned a lot <laughs> and what was a constant theme was the struggle for unity across the worldwide church uh, you know around the world and unfortunately, the debates and the divisions between different peoples, countries, denominations, etc., and um, you know across that time. But the new church, the new church in those early days, was an amazing piece of work. And there was something called. This is where, as I say, I'm going to be learning all sorts of new things. There was a piece of writing that was done in .AD 150, so very early on, very sort of you know, um, uh, sort of soon after the early church, called "The Epistle to Diagneti I could be wrong there, but <laughs> And it says bear in mind, this was written nearly 2,000 years ago. It talks about Christians live in their own countries, but only as non-residents. They participate in everything as citizens and endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign country is their fatherland, and every fatherland is foreign. They live on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. And it goes on to say, Christians love everyone, and by everyone they are persecuted. They are unknown, yet they are condemned. They are put to life, yet they are brought to death. Sorry, they are put to death, yet they are brought to life. By the Jews, they are assaulted as foreigners, and by the Greeks, they are persecuted. Yet those who hate them are unable to give reason for their hostility. So, what, what made that early church so um, dangerous is that they stood out and that they had such an impact on the world. And I think my message today is this, you know, that first bit of the passage talks about you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So we are part of this bigger movement around the world of Christians. And it's about saying God is choosing to live in me and make a difference. The living God is seeking to make his home in my heart and my life. And because of that, all the different members of this community, all different shapes and sizes of stones are brought together with Jesus as our cornerstone. So imagine your family um, or if if, if it might be a group of friends that you consider to be your family. If, like in COVID times, you couldn't meet and you could only sort of talk to each other online, that would be just a, a pale shadow of what you could actually do as that family. You wouldn't be able to hug them or have that deeper connection with them. And Ephesians two talks about the fact that if we have Jesus our cornerstone, then we are a household, you know, across the world of Christians. Household equals family, being a close relationship of each other, part of the same tribe, a household who looks out for each other and cares for each other in the only way that individuals can. Um, and I think, you know, lots of denominations around the Christian faith may have slightly different ways of doing things, um, but we have a common cornerstone in who Jesus is. My sister and I are very similar in a lot of ways in terms of character. We like musicals, we like the theatre, we're both quite sort of people people, but yet we are very different in our values, and that often can lead to clashes in the, uh, the way that only siblings can. But yet we still love each other. And because as Christian, God lives in us through his Holy Spirit, you know, we can um, look out for each other and love each other on a daily basis. So what does that mean, the Holy Spirit being given to us on a daily basis? It's about knowing who God is and how to follow him. And often the Holy Spirit will speak to us in our minds by giving us thought or an idea or by leading us to um, perhaps have something on our hearts about doing something or saying something to somebody or thinking something according to his will. Paul literally um, this Wednesday in the church meeting was talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and reflecting on how he can see these in his life. And he's actually got them stuck on post-it notes, I think, at the window in front of him. And he sort of moves them, you know, sort of thinking about what are the things that actually God is working on in my life at the moment. So I was reading some uh, reading notes that I I was working through called Guidelines. And in there they quote a theologian called A.W. Tozer. And he um, wrote, I think, quite a few hundred years ago. And he said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is probably the most important thing about us. And probably then what it does is it's the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So I'll say that again. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is probably the most important thing about us. So it says something about us and, and kind of what we think And therefore, you know, we all make up the church, and therefore the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God, and that will shape the church. So what kind of God do I believe in? What kind of God don't I believe in? How might this then shape me in various ways? So if we were sat now in a church in Uganda in South Africa, or a secret underground church in China, we would probably have a very different experience of church and God. And collectively, that church would be shaped by the view of God from the people within it. And our theology shapes our worship, our identity, our mission, our ethics, etc. And that's why it's really important that we read scripture together, because we recognize where we might have theological blind spots. So we've talked a bit about kind of church and God and how it might be shaped by our view of God. But the second passage talks about how we live our life worthy of our calling. So it says, As a prisoner for the law, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, that calling is not just about according to a particular role or church, but it's actually the calling to follow Jesus. And all the instructions that Paul gives in this letter is rooted in who God is, what God has done, and who the believer is in the light of God's work. So this is a reminder of the gospel, which is open to us all. And in a nutshell, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So just to put that in a a sort of slightly bigger way, um, because sometimes we we, we don't say this, but I think it's really important that we talk about what that means, you know, quite regularly within a, a church context. So God created us and the world we live in. And I think we all want to be known and seen and loved. And God is saying, I love you. I know you. I see you. And he can say this because he created us. We are made in his own image. However, as a people through history and looking at, as I say, that book that I read over the summer, we realise that lots of people in history have said, I'm going to live my life my own way. I'm going to do it without God. I'm going to make my own decisions. And that's led to um, difficulties with this: people being hurt and the world being misused. And when you speak to people outside of church people very much agree that the world and the society is damaged. There is hurt, there is anger, there's pain, there's disease. Things aren't as they should be. So God looked at this and created a rescue plan for us. He loves us and he wanted to give us yet another chance. So although you know, we should have paid the price for living life the way that we did, he provided somebody to rescue us, and that person was Jesus. Jesus died innocent and pure, and was able supernaturally to take away our sin, the things that lead us away from God, and he enabled us to have a future and a hope. This future for us means that we can be reunited with God, and that death isn't the end that we get a chance to live eternally with God. It gives us a future hope Mm. and a true freedom. The freedom to be who we were created to be, to have peace and to have a peace about where we will end up. This truth has changed this world over the last 2000 years. And many people have died for this truth. And often that has actually led to more people becoming Christians. For me, I believe the impact of this on my life and it is fundamental to who I am and my choices in life. I think the key thing is that Jesus did live and he did die and everything he did and said spoke of him being more than a man, but that he was God. And if you believe that he existed and he did and said all those things, then I think we all have a choice Do we believe he was who he said he was? And if so, this should change your life. I see the difference in the people that I know who believe the same. And I see people who are living out their faith by being Jesus in terms of deeds and words every day. And for me, he gives me the courage to face the tough things of life, knowing he provides me with strength to get me through and that I am not on my own. I am seen and known and loved. If you aren't confident that you know that today, then now is the time. God is calling you. Jesus loves and forgives you, whatever you think you've done or not done. He is asking you to respond to him. None of us are worthy, but yet all of us are welcome. And all you need to do is repent and believe And we'd love there to be a baptism service sometime this term. (laughs) Uh, We'll have to work out all the COVID uh, bits and pieces, but that would be lovely. So if anybody here is thinking of baptism, do come and let me know. It is a very simple decision and prayer. I'm sorry for the way I've been doing things. I choose to turn around and follow you. I respond to your love, and I will live a life following your commandments to love you and love others. And if you want to, to pray that or if you've prayed that prayer today, do come and chat to me at the end. And if you need a reset, today is all about reset, and have been a Christian for years, then this may be a prayer for you. Lord, I long for those moments early in my faith when I felt your closeness, your joy, your energy and zest for life. I confess that the daily ground has ground down my passion for you. I confess that I allow the cares of the world to choke out the joy of the gospel. Lord, turn my heart towards you again. Fix my eyes on you, fix my heart on you. Help me have a reset in my faith and my life. Starting today, renew my heart, renew my life for you. Help me see the daily routines of life as moments to gracefully submit to your will. Thank you for being the Lord of my life in every day, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Church Reset, what does this mean to you today? I'm going to do a little survey um, and if you've got any thoughts, you know, go back after today and perhaps chat um, to the people that you know. Um, What does being back in church mean to you? What does this remind you about who God is? And it'd be lovely to capture some of those and perhaps feed them back this week. So what does being back in church mean to you? And what does that say to you about who God is in your life? So I'm just going to do a little prayer of recommitment. It feels like this is a great chance to say we recommit as disciples of Alton Baptist Church today. And so um, perhaps uh, I'm going to say a little bit, and then there's a little response, which is, with the help of God, I will. So with the help of God, I will. So I'm just, just, uh, I'll, I'll let you know what, what we're going to say. So I'm going to talk to you about um, deepening discipleship, uh, continuing the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, in, prayer, sorry, in resisting evil, proclaiming by word and example the good news of God in Christ, seeking and serving Christ and defending the weak and um, seeking peace and justice in this world. So those are the things that we're going to recommit to together today. So when I say all together, with the help of God, I will. So as disciples of Christ at Alton Baptist Church, we are called to be shaped by God in our lives and communities and seek the growth of his kingdom, deepening our own discipleship and enabling others to grow in theirs, and in loving service of the world. Therefore, I ask you, the people of God gathered today, will you continue to commit to the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer? With the help of God, I will. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? With the help of God, I will. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? With the help of God, I will. Will you seek and serve Christ, loving your neighbour as yourself? With the help of God, I will. Will you defend the weak and seek peace and justice in this world? With the help of God, I will. May God, who has called you to his service, strengthen and equip you in every way that you may build up the body of Christ and serve the world to the glory of God.